We are about one hour away from Dynamite's TBS debut. I watched it, you know, I, I said maybe I'm going to give AEW a try tonight. I mean, I really had nothing better to do. My uh, job called me this morning telling me that, hey, don't come in today. We're closing up shop. Our system's all crashed. This has been like a thing that's been going on for about two days now. Hopefully they can fix it, you know, anytime soon because I'm really trying to get back to work. But I had time to watch Dynamite tonight. So, you know, I... I took the opportunity, watched it, and what I saw, in my opinion, was a really mixed bag. Because don't get me wrong, there were some really good matches. I absolutely loved two of the matches that were showcased on this show. I really did. And if AEW could keep that momentum through an entire show, I might genuinely be a fan of what they're doing. But tonight, I'm going to be reviewing AEW's first show on TBS, as well as we have a couple of releases down in WWE. Some pretty large names backstage, and some top NXT superstars that have now been released from their contracts. So, without any further ado, welcome to the WrestleBoard Podcast. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day, fantastic night, fantastic morning, whenever you guys are listening to the podcast. Hope you guys are doing well, and let's just get straight into some news about the WWE releases. A couple of hours ago, I think it was about at, at 5 or 6 p.m. Eastern Time, the WWE announced, well, Sean Rossap announced that... William Regal and Road Dogg, I believe they were the first two people who were just released from their contracts. And, you know, from my understanding, I think that, you know, that was sort of a, a final farewell to what, you know, the original Black and Gold NXT was. You know, they really didn't have much usage in them when, you know, in the company since you know NXT has now been taken over completely by Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard I just don't think that there was any room left for them it really does suck but business is business I don't want to be that person you know just go in there and say yeah this this is this is a horrible but you know at, at some point you know you got to understand that what happens happens and sometimes you just can't really complain about it uh, some other people that were released from their contracts, I'm actually trying to find out who they were. I'm scrolling through it just a little bit. And, alright, here we go. So, Danny Birch was released from his WWE contract. I'm, I mean, his tag team partner, Oni Lorcan, was released earlier this year. Kind of, you know, didn't have much to do with him, uh. If he wanted to move to the United Kingdom, I believe that NXT UK would have been a perfect spot for him. But he ultimately got released. It really sucks seeing somebody lose their job. But from what I'm seeing is that these releases were based off of, you know, WWE's plans going on into the future. And, you know, mainly focusing on that NXT aspect of it. 
if you look at NXT 2.0 right now, I don't think there's enough space or, you know, enough of something that Bur- that Danny Burch can actually do within that show to, you know, have people be invested and really have him be fit within the product that they're trying to produce. It sucks, yes, but I believe that Danny Burch, Burch will, you know, have a have a good career outside of the WWE. He's obviously an experienced veteran. If he wants to continue wrestling, which I believe he will for at least a couple more years, he will have a lot of independent bookings that I believe he can take. He might go back to you know the United Kingdom, get some bookings over there, because he is a genuine superstar. I mean, he's he was a fantastic worker when he was in the tag team with Oni Lorcan, which unfortunately got ended uh, due to Oni's release. But, you know, I believe that Danny Burch can really have more to give to the wrestling world. That's up to him, though. It's not up to me on saying anything, but that's that. Another major release, uh, talent-wise, Timothy Thatcher. This one hurts me a little bit, man. Timothy Thatcher, you know, I've I've watched him for for a couple of years now. Uh, I first saw him down in MLW back in I believe about 2018. That was my first exposure to Timothy, and what a phenomenal wrestler he is. I mean, this guy is one of the grittiest, one of the most badass professional wrestlers that WWE probably came across in the last couple of years. These these UK wrestlers have just something special within them because they are without a doubt some very very talented people and I also believe that you know if he was willing to move over to the United Kingdom NXT UK would have been the perfect place for him to be because what NXT UK is doing I believe will match everything that Timothy Thatcher has to give I could have definitely seen him and Ilya Dragunov going at it for the NXT UK title. I could have definitely seen him in like the undercards, taking on guys like Noam Dar and Nathan Frazier, maybe even Rampage Brown. I mean, these were some legitimate potential missed opportunities that we had. If you know he is released now, these aren't going to happen. But if he moved over to NXT UK, same with Danny Burch, I believe that they would have excelled at that. I believe that if WWE put a little bit more thought into what they were going to do with them, that could have been the next that could have been the next thing because these guys are talented wrestlers who just so happen to be from Europe where WWE just so happens to film a United Kingdom based show that fits both of their styles. I think it was just common sense. But then again, I mean, the 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 talent they have to move across the you know, across the ocean. And I don't know if they're up for that. Maybe that's why they got released. I don't know the details behind it. But, you know, it really sucks seeing them lose their job, especially within WWE, because these guys are very talented guys. And I would love to see what they do outside of the company. Some other guys that were also released uh, by the WWE were guys like uh, let's see, Ace Steel and Ryan Katz, who were, I believe, writers down in um, NXT. Uh, a coach, 
So Ace Steel was a coach down in NXT. Ryan Katz was the writer down in NXT. They both got released. Uh, Dave Kapoor, formerly known as Rajin Singh, the guy that was with uh, the great Kali when you know he first debuted, sort of like his manager. He was released by the WWE. And Scott Armstrong, uh, WWE referee that's been with them for quite some time, he was also released as well. And another guy from the Diamond Mind. So you know how Tyler Rust was released back earlier this year when the Diamond Mind really just, just first started popping off. He got released. Then you had Hideki Suzuki. And he was sort of just that guy that was kind of just standing there. He really didn't do much. He didn't really portray anything for the group. Didn't really do much to cement himself within the group. And I guess WWE took that as a, hey, we don't really need you. You were doing okay. you were doing an okay job of what you were doing. But you weren't really doing much for us to keep you. I don't know much about the guy. I know he's, you know, a veteran in the business, won multiple championships around the world. I know who he is from that aspect, but I don't know much about his work. All I know is that he was a guy in the diamond mine that stood there and didn't really do anything for the group, didn't talk, just kind of was like a was kind of like a silhouette part of the group, I mean. That's the only way that I can describe him because that's the only way that they portrayed him to be was this silent guy who could or could not wrestle. I don't know if they were planning anything for him to get into the ring since he is a professional wrestler or if he was just backstage coaching or, you know, giving some tips to the professional wrestlers down there. So I don't know what his role was within the company, but his role on screen was really nothing. So those were some of the guys that were released from the WWE as well as uh, some females as well Kathy Carino also known as uh, Allison Danger was let go by the WWE as well so these these releases I mean of course they, they suck but at the end of the day a business is a business and a major market company like WWE they're always gonna do something like this but recently, in the last two years, it's gotten really, really bad to the point to where, you know, seeing guys like William Regal, you know, just doesn't surprise a lot of people anymore because of the amount of talent that they've already dropped over the last couple of years. And, you know, it's gotten to a point to where, what does the company do after this? I mean, they're letting so many people go give it maybe they weren't necessarily important to the company but these are some legitimate people who had you know good value in the company that are just now completely gone i don't know what wwe plans on doing obviously i'm not the person to talk about what they're going to do but all that i know is that sooner rather than later they're gonna have to start figuring out you know who they really want to keep who they want to let go and just really stick with it because these releases they're kind of getting a little bit sickening if i'm being completely honest with you moving away from the releases we go now to aew dynamite's very first episode on tbs
overall, the show was not bad. The show was not bad at all. There were two phenomenal matches. The opening match and the main event were fantastic matches. All right, whatever the hell was in between those was just a clusterfuck of I I don't know what happened. <laughs> I really don't know how you go from having a fantastic opener and a fantastic closer to just having a very, very mediocre and tiresome middle half. Because the middle half is where you really, you know, want to keep your viewers, you know, in the ratings aspect of it. The middle portion of the show should be where, okay, you got to keep your viewers. But for AEW, you're, you're putting the main event of the show as the opening match. Give it, you do have, you know, another main event worthy match on that card. But that was said in the main event. The show didn't balance itself out good at all. Didn't balance itself out. Show was, you know, good opener, good closer, sloppy in the middle. That's all I really have to say about the structure of it. But let's get down to the nitty gritty and actually talk about the premiere episode on TBS. They were hyping this up to be, you know, one of the most historical wrestling events on TV. You know, TBS wrestling, they have a lot of you know royalty within that department and a lot of respect between the network and wrestling so the company was hyping it up this was like the first time that uh wrestling was on tbs since i think 2000 so you know it was it was like 20 22 23 years since you know professional wrestling aired on tbs so it was a big deal in the and maybe the network's aspect but for AEW it was just a simple AEW show which obviously a lot of people expected it to be I I don't think they would have done anything to you know satisfy whatever people thought it was going to be on TBS uh, same set same everything just just a different logo it's really how it was uh, so the first matchup on the card get this was the world heavyweight championship match I'm just as surprised as you. Personally, I would have kept that as the main event. And I would have opened the show with the main event of this show. Um, Brian Danielson and Hangman Page have some fantastic chemistry together. These guys went 60 minutes in their first match. Was one of the best matches of 2021. Absolutely tore the house down. Even if there wasn't a winner in the first match. The second match. The second match wasn't necessarily a wrestling match. It was a story based fight. There was blood. There was action from bell to bell. This was not just a wrestling match. This was a damn war. And I loved every single second of it. If this is what AEW can do this is what AEW's like f- fullest potential is 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 what they did with with Hangman Page and Brian Danielson this i believe is peak AEW and i believe that if they just kept that momentum throughout everything they do if they keep that mentality to all the big matches all the rivalries and the storylines they have going on that it can be literally one of the best wrestling products on TV. Now me personally, I don't believe that they're one of the best wrestling products on TV. 
All right, I believe that they're top five. Yeah, sure. I'm not a fan. I don't think I'm necessarily the person that the company's really, you know, saying, hey, come and watch our show. I may be that demographic, but I just don't necessarily like the stuff that they do on screen. I feel like they are really sloppy at times when it comes to writing the show and, and, and booking the matches that they book and, you know, pacing the show, which we saw a big problem with tonight on their TBS debut. But the match, Hangman Page and Brian Danielson, what a what a f- phenomenal match. I believe, get this, I believe that this second match was, in my opinion, a lot more enjoyable than their their, their first one. Because this match was really unpredictable. The first match, yeah, you could have kind of said it was un- unpredictable. But at the end of the day, you kind of knew something was going to happen in the realm of what it did. But this one was like, okay, this can go really anyway. This this is their second match together. Daniel Bryan is undefeated. Hangman Page is the world champion. One of the biggest baby faces in the company. So what do you do? You put them together. You make them go. I believe they went about 30 minutes this time, which was is still really crazy. Because, you know, when do you see a 30-minute match on TV? You know what I'm saying? So these guys, they have about an hour and a half of chemistry just in two matches alone. And they they definitely showed what they can do at the top of the card. Because boy oh boy, this match, like I said, was phenomenal. Without a doubt, the best match of 2022 already, if you want to go like that. It was the best match so far this week. The first week of 2022. Definitely delivered. For sure one of the best. Uh, the best match on you know, the AEW card tonight. Which, you know, given that the tag team match happened, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty close between the two. But, Hangman Page, he gets the win, retains the title. I'm very happy about this decision. Simply for the fact that I am a massive Hangman Adam Page fan. I've been wanting him to win this title for about a year now. I'm very happy that they pulled the trigger on it when they did. Uh, he's, a, he's a hometown boy. You know, he's from my town. He's from Virginia. He's from my land. I'm obviously going to connect to him more than maybe somebody from, like, Texas or Chicago is going to relate to him. Because cause that's, that's sort of like my my people. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, just Hangman Page, I believe, is having a very good run with the championship. Despite what the people say, I think Hangman Page is a worthy champion, and I'm so glad that AEW decided to keep the title on him, cementing him as the top guy in the company, proving that they can make a big star. Because, you know, some of the guys that they have there, you know, people like Darby Allin, and MJF, yeah, they're, they might be stars, but they haven't reached the success that Hangman Adam Page has succeeded at since joining the company. Adam Page, a couple of years ago, was a nobody. Let's not forget that. He was a nobody. 
All right, the guys in AEW and the Young Bucks and, and, and Bullet Club, they really made Adam Page the guy that he is today. And now branching out away from the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and the Elite, you know, pushing them away and just focusing on himself, he found who he was and he found that he can be a massive single star and that's exactly what AEW capitalized on and I believe that it was a fantastic, fantastic decision to put the title on him. When they did, I mean, maybe I wanted it to happen earlier, yeah, but I'm, I'm glad it still happened. And I'm glad it happened in front of a sold-out crowd, too, back in back in November. Fast forward again to tonight, kind of getting off track here, but tonight, the match, again, phenomenal match. I believe that Hangman Adam Page is having incredible matches since since holding that, winning that championship. I believe he's been putting on classic after classic and, you know, if they're going to go down that route, who's, who's going to challenge Adam Page next? That's my question. Do we get a third matchup against Brian Danielson since, you know, technically the first match was a draw. Hangman won the second one. Is, is, is there going to be some sort of some sort of big finish to it or what what's going to happen? I mean, I don't know who can necessarily challenge for the title next. Nobody, you know, comes off of my mind as like, oh yeah, they they can challenge for it immediately. I might have to sit and think about that for a little bit. But, you know, that match, it was just a really good match. I, I, I recommend it. I really do. I mean, even if you're not an AEW fan, which I'm not necessarily an AEW fan, but I, I really still enjoyed this match just as a wrestling fan. Uh, next up, I honestly don't know what happened right after that. I mean, I feel like I was sort of in this, sort of in this, like, <laughs> adrenaline rush, and I completely forgot, but, okay, so, I do remember what happened next. It was that MJF segment with CM Punk. I'm just gonna be completely honest with you guys, I don't care for this rivalry whatsoever. I, I don't think that MJF is as big as a star as people put him out to be. And I'm going to give you guys some reasoning. You, you you don't have to, you know, listen to me. You don't have to agree with me or whatnot. But I'm, I'm just going to say what I think about MJF. He doesn't impress me in the ring as much as some people would say he is. I, I don't think he's that good of a wrestler. That That's one. I believe that he's really safe and really basic in the ring when it comes to his in-ring style. On the microphone, some people may deem him as a fantastic talker. All I see is somebody that says controversial things for a cheap pop. And obviously you're going to get cheap pops if you talk shit about, you know, somebody's personal life. Or if you talk shit about somebody's, you know, where they live. Or if you talk shit about somebody's disability. Something like that. You're obviously going to get a pop out of that. It doesn't mean that you're a great talker. It means you can say offensive shit and get away with it on national TV, let alone, it means you can do that. It doesn't mean you're a great talker. If you want to be a great talker, you can't constantly put, you know, something in your promo, every single sentence of like, okay, take this for an example. You have MJF. He is cutting a promo, right? With Within that promo, he makes about 10 to 15 insults 
it's not a promo at that point. It's just him talking shit. In a promo, you have to you have to structure a promo in order to be a good promo. You know, you can't just say this and that, somewhat connect it, make it make sense, because at the end of the day, that's not what a promo is. That's that's just getting people to to get a reaction out of you. All MJF is is is, is shock value. That's all he ever has been on the mic. So you mix that in with him, one, being a very average wrestler where he doesn't wow the audience in that aspect, as well as on the mic, yeah, maybe some people will say he's fantastic at it because he can get them over with, you know, he he can get himself over with the crowd, but that doesn't mean that he's actually making a good substance promo. Making a good substance promo isn't just 20 insults, a couple of cuss words, and a bunch of middle fingers. That's just ragdoll country shit. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. That's just immature. It doesn't make him look good. It doesn't make him look cool. It just makes him look like a dumbass to me, and personally, in my opinion. And I feel like, you know, some people are going to say... That's what it's supposed to make you feel like. No, it's not. Okay? It's, it's not. It really isn't. If, if that's how it's supposed to make you feel like, then yeah, I guess I, I, I guess he got me. MJF is a heel. People are going to say, oh, then it's working. No, it's, it, it's not working. He, he doesn't have heel heat with me. He has get off the mic heat for me because he's not that good at it. Anyways, I got off really off off subject here with the whole CM Punk and uh, MJF promo battle that they did. I don't care much about the rivalry for CM Punk. On the other hand, I don't care about really anything that he's done since returning. I believe every rivalry that he's been in has been very very lackluster. The one with Darby Allen, the one with Eddie Kingston, now the one with MJF. They're just they're just not good enough. That that that's not what I see CM Punk as. You know, me wanting CM Punk back in wrestling for so long, it made me want CM Punk to to be what he used to be. And obviously we can't make comparisons about, you know, somebody ten years ago to somebody now, but me wanting CM Punk back for nearly eight years just for him to come back as this very corporate loving guy that's that's not what i know cm punk of being i know cm punk of being that guy that breaks down the barriers says what he wants to say doesn't listen to the authority doesn't pander to the audience that's not the cm punk that i know that's not the cm punk that i love the cm punk that i love goes against authority does whatever the hell he wants doesn't pander to the crowd that stuff that benefits him. He does not necessarily work great as a babyface, in my opinion. I believe if you turn CM Punk heel, he will get some of that that old CM Punk feeling back. But right now, him being a babyface, I don't think is working at all for me because I I just don't care. I, I don't, and, and and it sucks too because I I wanted CM Punk back for so long. I really really did. 
and you know just to see him become this this, this corporate suck up to Tony Khan and AEW and you know it, it it's just not what I see him as and unfortunately it just makes me not care next up after that promo segment whatever that was now now it starts getting to the parts where I forget so give me a second guys let me figure out what actually happened right after that uh, segment I believe it was a Chris Jericho segment if I'm not mistaken yeah, so it was a Chris Jericho segment. Okay, so they hyped up a Chris Jericho segment. First time since Jericho's been on TBS since 1999, blah, blah, blah. I love Chris Jericho. I, I think he's top two wrestlers of all time. I believe that, you know, even though people don't necessarily like Chris Jericho in present day, he's still very, very entertaining to me. But what he did tonight, pretty fucking stupid pretty fucking stupid I don't like 2.0 I don't know why 2.0 is in the same ring with Chris Jericho maybe they're gonna end up in some sort of feud but then again it still doesn't make sense because what the hell is 2.0 doing with Chris Jericho why are they going after Jericho I, I have no idea I can't tell you because I don't necessarily watch the product that much but what I do know is 2.0 they're not guys that you want to put into a spotlight like that Obviously, you want to make new stars. 2.0 are the guys that you want to make new stars out of. Go ahead and do it, man. I'm not going to support it, but go ahead and do it. Do you. I wasn't a fan of this segment. This this was where the show really went downhill for me. It just, it just didn't work. Whatever they tried to do, it didn't work. I know they set up a match for uh, Rampage in this segment. It was like a six-man tag team match between uh, 2.0, Daniel Garcia... And uh, proud and powerful with Eddie Kingston. Supposed to be on Rampage this Friday. I'm not going to watch Rampage on Friday. Uh, Rampage is just not something that I'm up to watching. Especially after watching you know, shows back to back to back already. It's just not something that I want to do on my, on my Friday night at 10 o'clock. But anyways, they, they, they set up that match. Which, okay, yeah, sure. Build hype to your next show. I completely understand that part. But Chris Jericho, why would you put that in a Chris Jericho segment? Especially in a segment that you hyped up so much to where maybe something could happen in this segment since you hyped it up a lot. This is, this is the first time in over 23 years that Chris Jericho has been on TBS. You're going to do something big? Are you? I don't know. Let's watch it. Let's figure it out. Oh, look, there's 2.0. I'm just, I, I just wasn't a fan of the decision at all. Wasn't a fan of the decision. Don't think I ever will be a fan of 2.0 being, you know, part of whatever they were being. <clears throat> Next up was a squash match. Wardlow and some jobber I forgot the name of. Wardlow just beat the living shit out of this guy. Poor guy. I mean, Wardlow, he did so many power slams to this guy. That his, that his back is probably broken. His neck is probably torn. Probably, you know, fucked up a couple of limbs. Got some brain damage. I mean, Wardlow was literally beating the shit out of this guy. 
and I'm pretty excited to see what they do with Wardlow, you know, going into the future. I believe he, he has all the tools, all the tools to become a main event superstar within AEW. If there's anybody in AEW that I really have my eyes set on, it is Wardlow, just not for the simple fact that he's a really big guy. He can move in the ring. He has a look of a world champion. And now, as you can see with the whole Sean Spears thing, Sean Spears is, is, is going to attempt to turn on Wardlow like he did earlier tonight. After the match, after Wardlow beat the jobber, Sean Spears came into the ring with the chair looking like he was going to attack Wardlow. Wardlow turned around. Sean Spears was like, all right, man, let, let's go. Let's, let's party. Yay, this and that. You know that Sean Spears wanted to hit the chair onto Wardlow. So you know it, it's going to happen anytime soon. And I'm pretty excited for the turn. I, I hope that the turn does happen soon because I believe Wardlow can be a big single star. I, I don't think he needs to be under the guidance of the Pinnacle and Sean Spears anymore. I believe that now he's gotten enough you know, time to be in the ring, time to perfect his craft, time to get better on the mic and just be that that sort of monster that AEW needs right now because there's not many guys on the roster that have the physique of Wardlow and if you want to build a wrestling company there has to be a couple of guys with that stature because that's what wrestling originated from are guys of, of that stature guys of that look that that's really where wrestling started to boom and, you know, it, it's, it's always nice seeing somebody, a guy like Wardlow's size, a guy like Wardlow's look, you know, really get the love and attention that he deserves because he is a really good wrestler. And he's definitely improved. Improved 100%. I, I believe that, you know, sometime in the near future, we can see him main eventing a pay-per-view for the AEW World Championship. Let's give it about two years, I'll say. And he'll be in that spot. I'm just anticipating the turn now since they've hinted it for a couple of weeks. Right after this is where I get very angry. The TBS championship between Jade Cargill and Ruby Soho. First of all, I just want to say that neither of these women should have been in the finals. Personal preference, of course. But not neither of these women should have been in the position that they were in. Jade Cargill especially. You, you gotta be joking with me. You gotta be joking with me. If you watch this match, and yeah, I'm kind of mad. If you watch this match, you know that Jade Cargill does not have anything good in her maybe she has a look but she has nothing else all right maybe she can talk but she has a manager for that so she doesn't really get that much of an opportunity to talk and when she does it's just for a pop saying bitch saying something like that that's all she is that's all she is that's all she does this match was one of the worst matches I have ever seen AEW produce. And to the people that try to defend it, you're just... I don't, I don't know what to tell you anymore. 
I don't even want to talk about the match. I just want to talk about the fact how bad Jade Cargill wrestles. <clears throat> because throughout this entire match, you saw botched moves, mainly from Jade Cargill. Nothing but botched moves. The, the, the own finish. The finish of the match. In which Jade Cargill won... Let me not remind you, Jade Cargill defeated Ruby Soho for the TBS Championship. That is the dumbest decision I have ever seen in my life. Especially at the point of Jade Cargill's wrestling career. She has done legitimately nothing. She has proved absolutely nothing to anybody. Except for being in a couple of squash matches. On AEW Dark. Dark. She's not on Dynamite. She's on dark. And she's squashing people, local wrestlers. To hide the fact that she cannot wrestle. I believe this was one of her longest matches in AEW. And Jesus Christ, was it horrible. She tripped over nearly every single move. Alright, she is a very stiff worker. Doesn't really look comfortable in the ring. Nearly hurt Ruby Soho several times in the match that could have genuinely ended injured her especially that finish from the middle rope that could have went very bad if Ruby Soho hit her head if she did not protect her head that could have went pretty badly alright she is an unsafe worker she's proved that she's an unsafe worker I don't know why she's anywhere near the title okay I believe that if they were gonna have somebody win the title it should have either have been Thunder Rosa or Ruby Soho Alright, granted, I, I don't think Ruby Soho should have been in the match either way. Maybe Nyla Rose could have been in that match, who I think would have been a good, op a, a good pick. But that's just my personal preference. But Ruby Soho, she was not the problem. She did great. She's a really good wrestler. Ruby Soho tried her best to make Jade look good. It just did not work. It didn't work, and Jade Cargill looks like an absolute mess. I don't know what else you want me to tell you, but she looked like an absolute mess. She didn't know what she was doing out there. She looked really dazed and confused. Couldn't pull off moves that, you know, seemed to be there, but I don't know if she didn't have the power to do it or if she didn't have, you know, the right angles with, with, with Ruby. I don't know if their chemistry was bad. But the match, god damn, this match was horrible. I, I never want to talk about this match again. I believe that having Jade Cargill win that championship was a big mistake. And I think that Jade is going to seriously injure somebody in that ring. This, this is genuinely me being concerned about other wrestlers' safety because of this woman. And for the people that go out there and and defend her, which I don't know why you're defending an unsafe worker, which she's proved that she is, and she's proved that she doesn't belong in the position that she's in right now. <clears throat> this was this was the worst moment of, of, of the match of the show. This match was terrible. The wrong winner was 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 chosen. Nothing good came out of this. I don't believe Jade Cargill's a star. 
maybe yeah she has the look like I said but she's not a star she's far from being a star and if you don't like what I say I'm sorry I'm just telling you the cold hard truth and the facts that I think are true I'm telling you my opinion I'm telling you exactly how I feel and I do not think Jade Cargill should be in the position that she's in Right after that, we get to another match, Malachi Black versus Brian Pillman Jr. I was really entertained by this match. I think this match was nice and short, went straight to the point. Brian Pillman Jr. got a lot of offense in. I'm really, I'm really glad that he was able to showcase himself in you know a positive manner, other than just being completely you know jobbed out by Malachi Black. I'm glad he got a little bit of a little bit of offense in because he is a great wrestler. If you've seen him in MLW, you know what he can do in the ring. Give the guy a chance. Malachi Black, on the other hand, I'm a big fan of Malachi Black. I I think what he's doing in AEW right now with the whole House of Black thing, it's it's very entertaining, and I cannot wait until he does introduce the rest of his his sort of faction that he has going on. I can't wait until he introduces those people. Who I think is going to be in it? Brody King obviously has to be in it, I I would assume. And whoever the third member is going to be, I don't know. That's kind of up in the air right now. But what Malachi Black is doing right now in AEW is very entertaining. I'm not going to knock it. What his match with Brian Pillman Jr. was tonight was a fairly decent short match that got straight to the point and built up. Malachi Black and the House of Black. And I had no problem with it. I believe it was one of the better parts of the show, especially after what happened right before it. With the whole TBS championship thing. It was it was it was definitely a nice thing to get your mind off of what happened after that. So, you know, that was that. No complaints at all about it. It was really one of those things that was there to somewhat cool down the crowd as well as tell, you know, a short story within it but like I said about Brian Pillman Jr. I think the guy has lots of potential I believe he could be a future uh, TNT champion maybe get in the race for that title sometime soon or you know maybe even with Griff Garrison and with the Varsity Blondes maybe get a couple of shots at the AEW tag team titles every now and then because they are a nice tag team I, I believe I mean I'm not against the Varsity Blondes I think the Varsity Blondes are a really entertaining team I think that they are great guys who can go out there and have a good match with practically anybody you put in front of them whether they're coming out as the winners or they're putting somebody over and that's what Brian Pillman Jr. does best you know he can put somebody over when he has to put somebody over but he can also showcase his talent and tell people hey I'm not just this guy you can you can look over so that was nice that was cool I'm excited to see what Malachi Black does with the whole House of Black thing and you know other than that solid moment got nothing else to say about it just a short sweet simple thing <coughs> next up though next up is the main event of the show it was the Lucha Brothers defending the AEW Tag Team Championships against Jurassic Express. And this match was very, 
very, very, very good. Alright, I absolutely loved it. So many spots in this match, man. I'm telling you, if you haven't watched Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson versus Hangman Adam Page and the Lucha Bros versus Jurassic Express, I highly suggest you watch it because these were two matches that definitely exceeded my expectations. That definitely made me go and say, yeah, this show maybe had a lot of downfalls but those two really made the show the show and I know some people can say you know one match can make a show somewhat of what uh, somewhat of what you know back in Wrestlemania 26 did with with the whole Undertaker and Shawn Michaels thing people were like that match made the whole show which makes sense I believe these two matches saved this week's Dynamite from being complete hell so the matchup started classic high flying, you know, hard hitting luchador action, which I'm a huge fan of. I'm a huge fan of, you know, the lucha the the lucha bros lucha libre style of of wrestling. I've been following them since about 2015, uh, both Phoenix and Penta respectively. Um, so they're they're really great superstars. But here's where things start to get a little bit sad. It's unconfirmed right now. But there was a spot in the match where Luchasaurus slammed Phoenix onto a table. Phoenix's arm kind of went, you know, right behind him and snapped. There's really no other way of me saying it. His arm snapped. Looks like it broke. Um... I really hope that's not the case, but the way that the video made it look, it looks like Ray Phoenix's arm was, was snapped right in half. If that is the case, I wish nothing but the best to Ray Phoenix. He's a one of the best wrestlers in the world right now, whether it is you know being in a tag team or a singles wrestler. Very, very entertaining guy. My 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 wishes and prayers to go out to you, man. I mean, you really these guys tore the house down. You know me thinking that Hangman and uh, you know Brian Danielson should have main evented the show. I'm not mad at the fact that they didn't anymore because the tag team match was a definitely worthy main event, and we have brand new AEW world tag team champions something that I've been wanting for so long Jurassic Express Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are the brand new tag team champions I've been wanting this since like a year ago I've been wanting this since last summer this is something that I have been anticipating for a very long time something that I have wanted to happen and I'm so glad that it did. Especially at the fact that, you know, Jungle Boy, he 100% deserves a title. The guy's a phenomenal wrestler. Luchasaurus, he has perfected what he does in the ring. I know some people were calling him green back, you know, when AEW first started back, you know, 2019-ish. When he first joined the company, people were saying that he wasn't that great of a wrestler. He definitely improved, 100%. He improved so much in the ring. 
And I am very happy to end this podcast by saying that Jurassic Express are the brand new AEW World Tag Team Champions. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was it. Uh, That was your AEW Dynamite on TBS debut. Like I said, it wasn't the greatest show ever. Um, But there was some really good things within the show. Did I thoroughly enjoy myself? It was a a decent show. Sometimes I kind of, you know, got bored a little bit. Started using my phone, you know, but that's 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 with every wrestling show. You know, you can't stay completely engaged for two entire hours. You know, at least me personally for anything. Not even like SmackDown or Monday Night Raw or whatever I'm watching, you know. Attention spans are, are are getting shorter, I guess. And uh, but uh, but other than that, you know, the show was all right. A fantastic opener, fantastic main event, a decent little match between Malachi Black and uh, and Brian Pillman. And then you had three things that I I did not like at all. So I guess the show balances itself out three three. Like I said, the Jade Cargill thing, horrible hated it never want to speak of it again wish she never won the title um the whole mjf and cm punk thing is all subjective it's all personal opinion personal preference for me not a fan of it if you are i'm not gonna knock you for it but that's just not that's just not what i personally uh enjoy and then the whole chris jericho segment as much as i love jericho the whole 2.0 thing was very stupid, even though it kind of did set up a match for Rampage. Uh, that just didn't really sit well with me. So that was uh, that was the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, go ahead and share the podcast with everybody you know. Your mom, your dad, your cousins, your sisters, your brothers, your friends. Uh, you know, I'm really, really appreciating the support. We're, we're, we're growing a lot faster than I thought we would have, you know, started growing. But, you know, with you guys, thankfully, I'm, I'm finally able to, you know, dip my feet a little bit more into the podcast realm. Uh, maybe sometime soon you'll see me up on the big red YouTube platform as well. Uh, but, you know, other than that, I just want to say thank you guys. Thank you for listening. And uh, I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy, everybody.